podcast ain't played nobody my name is Stephen godfrey at 38 godfrey on instagram at 38 godfrey on twitter richard where might people find you on this holiday season for social media glee rj underscore rights y'all already know bud elliott master recruiter you're probably as we were pre-recording this bud is recovering from early signing day bud where can people find you on the World Wide web uh, at Twitter, at ButL83. Also, you go to BannerSociety.com and subscribe to our read option newsletter, which I frequently uh, write. So check that out. BannerSociety.com, at ButL83. Gentlemen, listeners, friends, Romans, welcome to bowl season. Um, we're going to go through the entire slate. We're going to do it chronologically, and then we're going to go and we're going to talk about which two games that we each picked to talk about and why. I will say this right off the top. If anybody wants to disagree with me, that's fine. I do not like this year's bowl schedule. I'm not talking about the playoff. I'm just talking about the bowls. I am not blown away or overly interested. Richard, am I being grumpy or do you feel nonplussed as well? No, because I said the same thing last weekend. It sucks, doesn't it? It kind of secretly sucks, right? Yeah, it's, uh, what is it, secretly assy? What was the word? Secretly assy. Secret, secretly assy, gentlemen, although we said it enough to maybe it's just publicly assy. It's the alliteration. Secretly Um, shitty. What? Secretly yeah, shitty. It's nice. I like that. <laughs> Secretly shitty, publicly assy. All right. Well, this is a great tease for people to keep listening to a bowl schedule that we don't like, but we will make do. So I am going to press through. We're going to do the entire list chronologically, then we're going to go back. So on December 20th, ESPN, by the way, I think my listings are Eastern, which just makes mm, me feel awful. There we go. Makes me Welcome feel to the dark awful. You love to see it. I'm not even going to do this. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Your food's worse. Sun's up at weird Does LSU football.net um, not have it? No, I'm just not using LSUfootball.net. That's all. The, the food is not worse. So not only am I so now I'm cheating on LSUfootball.net. A lot of high crimes and misdemeanors going on here. Okay. Friday, December 20th, you have two games. We were discussing this right before we went on. This year's calendar has been more annoying than it has been fun to have the two bye weeks and the stretched out season because we got to December and everything just felt sped up because we just didn't have a lot of time. Everything did feel speed um, up, sped up. We talked about that Hilton lobby and all that kind of stuff. That Hilton lobby last week in New York for the college football awards ceremonies um, was not as packed as it otherwise would be. And the prevailing theory was a lot of coaches aren't here because they're out recruiting, because they lost recruiting days, because the conference championships were on the 8th or whenever, whatever day it was. Right, right. Um, All right. So on Friday, we have two games. Uh, The first one is the Bahamas Bowl, which is Charlotte and Buffalo. Then we have the Frisco Bowl, uh, Utah State and Kent State. All right. Here's your Saturday. There's your that's the Friday teaser. Here's your full Saturday lineup. Um, We have the New Mexico Bowl, Central Michigan and San Diego State, the Cure Bowl, Georgia Southern and Liberty, Boca Raton, FAU and SMU, uh, the Camellia in Montgomery, Alabama, FIU and Arkansas State. The Las Vegas Bowl, Boise and Washington, and UAB and App State in the New Orleans Bowl. Let's move. Also, wait, real quick, nothing. do not want to skip over our friends at the Celebration Bowl, Alcorn, Alcorn State and uh, North Carolina A&T. Uh, a little bit annoyed that Florida A&M is not in that game, but here we are. Rattlers. Um, that was not on my bowl list. Uh, let's move to Monday. There will be NFL football on the 22nd. You have one game in the afternoon. This may be the peak, like, is anyone watching this sort of deal? So at 2.30 Eastern on a Monday afternoon, you have the Gasparilla in Tampa between UCF and Marshall. Christmas Eve, in primetime, you have the Hawaii Bowl from Honolulu. 
Hawaii staying at home. They're playing BYU. Very on brand. We go to Christmas. We have no football. We go to the 26th. We have a home game again, sort of. Uh, in the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana Tech drives about 20-odd miles west of, uh, from Ruston to Shreveport. By the way, they're 9-3. and three. Miami is 6-6. Six and six. We'll talk about that game in a second. Um, the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit will have Pitt and Eastern Michigan. Oh, man, that's bad. Go to the movies. Um, <laughs> the next day on the 27th, we have a full slate. North Carolina and Temple in the Military Bowl starting at noon Eastern. The Pinstripe Bowl in New York City. I'm sure Richard will be there. He will not. Uh, Michigan State in Wake. God, that's awful. Uh, the Houston Bowl in Texas is Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. A little Big 12 rematch there. Uh, the Holiday Bowl in primetime on FS1 is Iowa and Southern Cal. It was one of my picks. The Cheez-It Bowl in Phoenix. Late night. 10-15 Eastern kickoff. Wazoo and Air Force. Pointsy. Uh, we move to the 28th. There is one game at noon on ABC. That's Iowa State and Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, Florida. We skip ahead. We have football, or sorry, we have NFL. On December 30th, we have four games before you get to New Year's Eve. On December 30th, the First Responder Bowl in Dallas, Western Michigan versus Western Kentucky. That's at 12:30 Eastern. Then we move to the Music City Bowl here in my town, Nashville, Louisville, and Mississippi State. The Red Box Bowl in Santa Clara, California. Has anyone, uh, just real quick, have either of you ever used a Red Box? Yes, actually, yeah. A bunch in college. What is, what's a Red Box? <laughs> uh, Richard, explain. Uh, the Red Box is like the thing. Um, Bud, you may be familiar with the Blue Box, the Blockbuster thing that was in Publix's. It's the same thing. You can go up to it and you can rent a DVD. Oh, or, like yeah. the... Uh, yeah, like the DVD vending machine outside right. CVS. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Now, do y'all have the little cover for the sun that you like? You lift up so like yes. you can actually see the screen. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I actually used it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I, used it. I just didn't ever know what it was called. Yeah. Redbox needs to work on their branding. Yeah, this, this podcast just got southern as hell. You know, it's in the Publix, um, the Illinois and Cal. Uh, wow, they're playing. Uh, won't be a lot of points in that Redbox bowl. Uh, Texas and Utah in the Alamo Bowl. We've now moved, by the way, to uh, this is New Year's Eve. This one, this one's in prime time. They're out of order here on this list. In prime time on New Year's Eve is Texas and Utah in the Alamo Bowl. Earlier that day in the Belk is Kentucky and VTech. Um, this and then mid afternoon, two p.m. Eastern, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas, is Arizona State and Florida State. Later that afternoon is K State and Navy from the Liberty Bowl. And then before the primetime game, I don't know why that was out of order. Uh, you have Wyoming and Georgia State in the Arizona Bowl, which is played uh, in Tucson at University of Arizona. New Year's Day is actually only two games on New Year's Day. No, wait. Sorry, there's, there's two non-New Year's Six Bowls. Sorry, sorry. Just wait. There's two new, non-New Year's Six Bowls on New Year's Day. Okay, we're going to do the New Year's Six Bowl separate. Michigan plays Alabama in the Citrus Bowl. One more time. Alabama, not in the New Year's Six. 10-2 and two, Alabama will be playing in the Citrus Bowl. On ABC, the Outback Bowl is Minnesota and Auburn. Uh, on January 2nd, the Birmingham Bowl is BC and Cincinnati. Still at Legion Field, baby. The Gator Bowl, Tennessee and Indiana on January 2nd in prime time. January 3rd, the Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, Nevada and Ohio. January 4th. I love, by the way, that the obsolete games are back like well yes. after the playoff yeah. games. I, <laughs> like I love five, how in- five days after the playoff. Why, y'all? <laughs> Why? It's so incongruent. Okay, so on January, by the way, the, the playoff games are the 28th, I might add. We have random ass bowls through the 6th. God bless this sport. Okay, 
Sorry, uh, we did the we did the potato bowl. Okay, on January fourth, the Armed Forces Bowl has six and six Tulane and seven and five Southern Miss. And here's my favorite: all the way on January sixth, in Mobile, Alabama, the Lending Tree Bowl, uh, Louisiana ULL, whatever the hell they're called, in Miami of Ohio. I love how strange that is. Um, just makes absolutely no sense. That's gonna okay, be a murder. New, yeah, the New Year's Six Bowls. The Cotton is on December twenty eighth at noon. That's Penn State in Memphis. The Orange is in prime time on December 30th. That's Virginia and Florida. And on New Year's Day, the two New Year's Six games are the Rose and the Sugar. The the Rose, of course, 5 p.m. Eastern, Wisconsin and Oregon. The Sugar in prime time, Baylor and Georgia, both 11 and 2. And then obviously, the games that we will talk about, uh, we're going to start off and talk about these first and then talk about our picks second. We have, of course, the Peach and the Fiesta, the playoff semis, Ohio State and Clemson, the 2-3 game in Atlanta, LSU, against number four, Oklahoma. And the 13th, we will be podcasting many times before then, is the national championship, all the way on the 13th in New Orleans. I also real quick want to get a very vital resource for this season. Um, You can... ESPN actually has a downloadable bowl calendar. Like you can download it like a Google Cal link or an Apple Mail or Apple Cal link, and it'll just be right on your phone in your calendar. The URL is cal-cfb.espn.com backslash bowls. Um, every year, Y'all still, uh... absolutely indispensable. You still getting them checks from Bristol? You didn't tell me. You think I'd be working here if I was still getting checks from Bristol? Somebody still getting that money from Bristol? I think. Nah, I left. I ain't going back. Mm, all right all right guys let's talk about the semis first then we're gonna talk about our weird bull picks okay uh richard and i we actually saw each other we were at the army navy game this past weekend in philadelphia and we were sitting around having drinks kind of kicking around the idea of different bowl games and matchups um we're talking ourselves into different situations richard we talked ourselves into clemson turning on warm just flipping that war machine switch it's like the switch in the back of the building it's like don't turn this on and then you just flip that and they kill everybody we're also trying to figure out a way in which oklahoma beats lsu does not seem likely fair to say uh yeah clemson i expect clemson to come out of this game or come out in this game and like you said, flip the switch. It's one of the most impressive things that Clemson does, which is uh, treat the season kind of in a few different stages or segments um, and turn it on when they need to and ramp up to where they need to. A few years ago, I had the uh, the theory that Clemson was kind of saving Deshaun Watson for the playoff. Uh, I believe they ended up winning the national championship that year. Um, and I, when I say saving, I mean not exactly running him as much as they otherwise had in years prior um, to kind of save him for the playoff off run but again we come back to this year um clemson has this championship phase and they are in it now um and you know everybody had Dabo has built this cult of we are overlooked and no one cares about us and no one thinks we're good and no one had us projected to be here before the season started which isn't true isn't true isn't true but whatever it's convenient for the reality that Dabo is creating around his football team um that stuff works around 18 to 22 year olds it works it plays um whether it's true or not it doesn't matter Dabo Sweeney's not talking to us when he says those things but I have a question for you um in years past we have seen Clemson come out as Richard and I just said flip the switch turn into the war machine the ACC has not been the SEC okay but has it in the in the previous years in which Clemson won a national championship specifically, 
the ACC was not this bad, correct? But, bud, was it that far off from being this bad? On average, I would say no. I would say that the lack of another good to great team this year is notable uh, compared to okay. previous years where you had at least somebody who was you know, pretty good to compete with Clemson. For instance, in 2016, Clemson had to beat that Louisville team with Lamar Jackson. Uh, and as this relates to this game, uh, a couple things. Number one, Clemson is having to blitz a lot more this year to get pressure uh, than it has in previous years. And I think that's notable. I don't think their pass rush up front is quite as good as it was last year, which, duh, I mean, they lost four guys to the league. I do I do push back on that a little bit. Not not push back, but I think I, think I get it because of the way the defense is structured. Right, like they, they right. don't have four absolute, you know, Decepticons on the defensive line, and they are playing with three down linemen more snaps than not. So you've got to kind of blitz from different places just to get, you know, enough rushers to match up, overwhelm, or what, or create pressures. I, I agree with that. Um, my other thing is this year the ACC's offensive lines were in large part terrible. I mean, just like notably bad. Right, UVA's was not any good. Florida State's was horrendous. So was, uh, you know, so was Miami's. Uh, like a lot of these teams that Clemson played were, were were very poor up front, and I do wonder if they run into a team with a, with a better offensive line, uh, how they're how they're going to look there. Um, they've played plenty of good defensive lines. The ACC D lines are, are not bad this year, so I'm not really worried about them from that perspective. But I do want to see how how good Clemson's pass rush looks against these elite teams. I think they've kind of solved their. Uh, they're, they're kind of slot tight end issue w- with the reemergence of Amari Rogers off his surgery. Uh, is this the best two, three we've ever seen by far? Yeah. I mean, like by the numbers, it's not even close. Okay. And just so people are aware, I'll go through and do the, I'll do the, the matchups because um, it hasn't been that long last year. Of course, Clemson beat Alabama in the national championship. The one through four was one Alabama four Oklahoma and then the two three was the murder scene between Clemson and Notre Dame it was thirty to three. In case you forgot, by the way, Notre Dame scored three points in a playoff game. In case you forgot, oh I did. Uh, one four, one four in twenty eighteen was Clemson Alabama. That was the one Alabama won twenty four to six. And then the two three, a great game. And this is this was the game I was thinking of was the double overtime Rose Bowl game against Georgia and Oklahoma. So you guys feel comfortable saying that this game will be better than that, or more talented than that? I think more talented. I, I mean, that was a hell of a game. Didn't it end like it in the amazing. 50s? It was so fun. In double overtime. I don't know if this game is going to top that from a, a strict entertainment aspect. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, the previous 2-3 uh, game was the game I was at, was the last time these two teams were in the Fiesta Bowl, and Clemson won 31 to nothing. Ohio State looked completely lost. Really the nadir of the of the Urban Meyer era in Columbus, where they just just didn't function flat out. Um, and then the one for that year was Bama Washington, another crappy game. That was not a great playoff year per se. Um, can anyone name the previous year's two, three game with both, both participants, Alabama and Michigan state in the cotton bowl. Yeah, baby. Michigan state putting up a goose egg. Alabama won 38 to nothing. Uh, by the way, Clemson beat Oklahoma. We're seeing some redundancies here, guys. And then the original uh, was the, uh, the two, three game, Oregon beating Florida state mm, in the Rose 59 to 20. Uh, the, my favorite playoff game that I've ever seen, I was at and I bore witness to, was Ohio State 42, Alabama 35 in the Sugar. But uh, um, didn't you have it like Clemson is better, is like a touchdown better than every other three seed ever? 
Correct. Yeah, Clemson is way better than any other three seed. Like, like honestly, Oklahoma is not a bad four seed if you take the average of the four seeds. Um, now that includes that terrible Michigan State team, which is like I think a touchdown worse than any other playoff team by the Pirates. That probably throws ever, a so. lot of. Uh, yeah. It does. But on the flip side of that, a lot of times, not a lot of times, some of the times the best team has actually been the four seed. They got in because they didn't win their conference, and they're like, well, we can't reward them with the top three seeds. So we'll put them here at the four. Uh, but if you look at kind of the fours that were sort of like deserving fours, you know, like like this, Oklahoma's very much in the middle. The whole benefit of being the one this year was not really, yay, we get to face Oklahoma. It's, yay, we don't have to play Clemson. Um, is there a chance – just because we tend to get real, real bullish, and when everyone has a consensus that something's going to be really, really good or something really is going to be really, really bad, when you see Vegas advanced stats people and regular media folk like myself, and we all agree that something's going to be good or bad, usually the reverse happens. Is there a chance that the, that these two teams meet in the two, three, and one of them just kicks the shit out of the other? Yes, I think if 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 it's that, I think Clemson beat Ohio State by like twenty points. Okay. Okay. On the on the Ohio State side, because I still really, really like this Ohio State team. Yeah, and I I, believe, I, I think I, it's like, going to be a close, really very good the, football game. We just like, I think Richard and I talked about this a week ago. This is a different, more talented, more exciting Ohio State team than even the damn Urban Meyer teams from a year and a half ago, right? So we like we like what they're doing. We like Justin Fields. We like everything that like. The, all is well in Columbus. This is not a hiccup or a problem, aberration, decline, anything like that, where we were looking for sort of pockmarks in the Urban Meyer run. Isn't Clemson like favored? Or, uh, sorry, yeah. Ohio State? Yes. Oh, I thought yeah, Ohio no, State Clemson's was favored. favored. Sorry. sorry. So, why are we so... Is it, it feels funny for us to instantly click on and go, yeah, I mean, Clemson could absolutely murder them. Where is Where is the problem with Ohio State? We haven't seen it. Well, I'm kind of basing that up really quickly off... Um, Ohio State came out and looked like they weren't ready to play against Wisconsin for the first quarter and a half there. That's kind of where I'm right. coming from with that. But go ahead, bud. Uh, unless it flipped like recently, uh, Clemson is favored. Yeah, what okay. Was the line I was history? wrong. I was Has there been any change in line history? I thought Clemson was favored. What was the line, the the original line, bud? Honestly, it, it's bouncing between like one and two, which is not really important. Until you hit the three, it's 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 really not not a big deal. Um so, like, basically, they're, they're saying this is kind of coin flippy. Um, okay, so the questions about Ohio State. One, I would kind of ask about Justin Fields' health a little bit, not in terms of throwing the ball. I mean, clearly, he went out in the Wisconsin game, came back, and, and, and chucked that nice deep ball. But do you need to about, run Are you talking about the more? Michigan game? Yeah, Michigan he's talking game? about Michigan. Sorry, the Michigan game, not, yeah, not yeah. Wisconsin. Sorry. Like, do you need to run him more against Clemson? Maybe to even out the numbers. I assume he's going to be healthy. He's had you know a couple of weeks off there. Ohio State's offensive line has been really good. I don't. What's the best D line they've faced? Because Michigan's D line this year wasn't quite as good. Penn State. Right? Penn State had a pretty damn good defense. It's probably they, Penn State. Honest, yeah. Um, I think that. Oh, they did have an issue against uh, Michigan in the first half when Michigan torched them. They had had a safety go down the week prior to the Michigan game, and they ended up trying to play three backers in that game for a lot and. They got kind of torched there in the first half, and then they finally said, screw it, we're going to put this backup safety back in and not try to play Michigan with, with three backers on the field. I, th- I think because they were worried about how how well the backup safety was going to play. I, I, I want to credit where I read this because I definitely read it. This is not an original observation of mine, and I can't remember where I read it now. But uh, in the second half, Michigan's offense didn't do a damn thing against them, really. 
And a lot of that was because they stopped getting receivers soloed up on on linebackers. My thing with Ohio State is, and we talked about this with our playoff reaction show, it, Wisconsin got guys open with like quick game. I mean, it was like slants that Wisconsin was uh, was getting chunk yardage on in that first half and a little bit in the third quarter before Ohio State really was like, okay, you're done moving the ball. Um, Clemson's not exactly going to attack that way. Clemson's going to attack relentlessly over the top. I mean, it, Trevor Lawrence is a known quantity. I'm, I'm, you know, we're not we're not telling tales here. Um, if this game is a 31-28 classic, or if it's close, I don't care if it's 17 to 16 or 41-40. That's fine. That's what we thought. That's what me working in this business and relying on people who are smarter than me in terms of football, like hardcore football. That's what they're talking about, and so I'm fine with that. What I'm really interested in is the hindsight of this game if it's not that. If it's anything other than that, then we fucked up as a media collective somehow measuring these two teams and their situations this year, and that's what interests me the most. So if Clemson murders them, or the one thing we haven't really talked about, if Clemson doesn't come out and shift gears, if Clemson comes out and is every bit the team that played exceedingly okay against very inferior opponents and pays for that, my interest will immediately be how did we get so far gone on shaping the context going into this thing? Right. I think so. Maybe it is a classic. The I think we I think if if Clemson comes out and is not ready for prime time, that is a that may be the result of and the crow I we are going to have to eat from that is an overcorrection against. Oh, the schedule's bad. The schedule's bad. They weren't tested. All that kind of stuff. I think that's an easy crutch argument to poke holes in Clemson because since the North Carolina game, Clemson has torn everyone limb from limb. And that's what you look at with good teams against bad opponents. It's, I understand if you can win, any good team can beat a bad opponent. Can you eviscerate? Can you erase the bad team off of the field? And Clemson has done that for. Eight weeks in a row, nine weeks in a row. Um, so yeah, the overcorrection there is going to be, um, you know, having seen that over the last few weeks, bulk of the season, did we all kind of take that and run with it too far to the other end? And maybe there was a poison pill in all of these last eight, nine games that we should have been paying attention to, that we should have seen coming, um, and was a harbinger of Clemson coming out and playing like shit against Ohio State if they end up doing that. The other thing I want to pose real fast before we move on. Uh, we just recorded a... Re- uh, you'll, you guys will have heard it by now. It'll have been in your feed. We recorded a recruiting show. We, Bud and I are big proponents of the fact there is a clear separation in this in, in this sport, right? There is the... There are the serious programs in the sport that are 30-odd list, right? Then inside of that, we have our superpowers. We have our Star Destroyers, whatever the hell you want to call them. Uh, all of these teams qualify as as that, Okay. Uh, Clemson has done that. Ohio State has done that. All right, last point I want to make on this, and you can tell me if I'm way off or wrong or whatever. These are all of these these four teams are superpowers. Bud and I just did the recruiting show. We talked about superpowers and the fact that there's 30 serious teams or 40, however you want to say it, and then there's an elite group in college football that are just like franchises above all else, right? If Clemson wins this game, let's say they do stomp their ass, right? The new narrative you build out of this is the Clemson way is the best way now, even if they lose to LSU. Because now what you're seeing, we think we think of these teams as evenly matched is what I'm getting at. 
And if the narrative is you need to be Ohio State and play a better schedule, compete a little bit higher, et cetera, and worry about the worth of your conference, which is what the Big Ten and the SEC say, that narrative wins. If Clemson builds its own Alabama in the ACC, and regardless of the fact that Florida State's down and Miami's down and your best competition is Wake and UNC or whatever, if they're successful and they really beat the shit out of Ohio State – then it's going to be a pendulum swing of you need to not worry about your conference's worth necessarily, just be as absolutely insanely good as possible. So I think, for instance, for instance, if you're Oklahoma over the next five years, you don't give a shit about the power, the worth, the depth of the Big 12. You just be the best Oklahoma you can be. I think you're right there. And in addition to that, I think the quote unquote Clemson model is also right in a sense of this. What Clemson did with Dabo 10 years ago, what LSU did with um, with Ed Orgeron three years ago is you get the facey head coach, you pay out the wazoo for two banger coordinators to where those coordinators do not leave unless it's a probably power five or high group of five head coaching job. Now, I say that to say that is the... For, for other powers, other like powers, that is the accessible, and I'm really saying that with air quotes, that is the quote-unquote accessible way to get to this level. The less accessible way to get to this level is a Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, Nick Saban, borderline football savant as head coach. That's something that you kind of, that, that doesn't grow on trees. But I can get you a facey guy and and get a million five per coordinator and do that if I'm one of these like powers. Um, what I may not be able to do and what I have a bigger chance of missing on is going to get, you know, the 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 hotshot football coach to try to, if not replicate Saban, do something where Saban is the sun, moon, and stars from a football perspective. We have given a little bit of short shrift here because we still have to do our bowl picks to LSU and Oklahoma. Is that it's probably because we all feel pretty good about LSU. I don't want to just move on from that, but I mean, anybody want to give me an Oklahoma win scenario here? I think Richard Richard brought up the Ole Miss running thing a, a couple weeks ago, and then now we feel like we can put it to bed. <laughs> yeah. after what now they I'm did like, to, I don't think it's actually going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, their performance against A&M in Georgia certainly helps dispel that. You know, this was post Alabama. Okay. A little bit of injury, a little bit of mental fatigue, went on the road after the biggest game in like program history for 15 years, whatever, however the hell you want to put context around that game. And they were, I don't know, like just tired and sloppy, whatever, right? So if we're going to put that to bed, don't we put Oklahoma to bed? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, like, I want to give Oklahoma like a chance here, right? Oklahoma's defense is better play has played really well down the stretch has gotten to a point where you're like okay Alex Grinch has come in here and had a tangible effect on um on this defense on the on the culture around this program because you you cannot say that Oklahoma's defense is not I mean damn near leaps and bounds better from what it was or has been I should say under Lincoln Riley um so yeah that's that's kind of how I'm trying to talk myself into it but is Oklahoma the one that wants to play slow here? Because I kind of think they do. You yeah, limit possessions on LSU. You limit possessions on LSU. You have to limit possessions for LSU. Jalen Hurts, 30 carries. LSU, minus two in turnovers. Maybe they don't hit some of the red zone stuff. I could see Oklahoma winning this. 
I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but it's not impossible to think it, it, it could happen because they are a, a good running football team. You can run the ball in LSU some. LSU's defense does deserve credit for getting better second half of the year. Uh, I have to make sure I say that every week because LSU fans hate on me because they think I still think LSU's defense sucks, which I don't. I just it kind of did the first half of the year. <laughs> Y'all are better now. I get it. It farts at times. How's that? It it, it just sort of it like skips. Yeah, the track skips. Like I, I saw them play Vanderbilt, and there was a lot of like, all right, this ain't working right now. Let's bring the twos. Oh shit, let's bring the ones back in. Like it, it, it is not perfect. I mean, I, I will throw this out. Alex Grinch, this is the greatest opportunity of your career. Okay. No one's done it. Probably you're not going to do it either. Sorry, buddy. But, like, you pull this off, buddy. It's going to be a big deal. I want Jalen Hurts to stay as healthy as humanly possible. He may have to run the ball 40 times in this game. The one thing if I'm Oklahoma – okay, there's a lot of things in Oklahoma I don't like about this (laughs) matchup. But but the one thing that really really scares me is that LSU has the dudes on the outside to double CeeDee Lamb. And somebody from Oklahoma has to win one-on-one against the other LSU corners who are actually pretty damn good. If you're LSU, I think you feel pretty good about your ability to win one-on-one matchups with your DBs against Oklahoma's receivers and devote two people to to CD because that is a different offense when he's healthy. And I think he will be, obviously, for this game. He was back for the Big 12 title game. Uh, If Oklahoma's going to win... I fully agree with Richard. You got to run the hell out of Jalen Hurts, but you also do have to hit some explosive plays, and you're probably going to have to have some some of those number two, number three receivers ball out for the Sooners. There is one other thing that I don't think we're bringing up here with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has institutional knowledge of Dave Aranda's defense, and particularly coverages and personnel groupings and how to attack. Um, I like it. and how like to it. have success here. We are we're talking ourselves into it. But yeah, baby. He's he's not coming into this thing blind. I okay, all right. I, I, God bless you both because what you've done is I've thrown this game to you as as like a wounded animal, and you're both trying to breathe life into it in the way that I would never think of, which is talking about how Oklahoma will win on offense. Whereas I can't, I just can't get past whatever the hell it is Oklahoma would have to do. That's why I said Grinch was sort of the linchpin in this, like coming up with some sort of like blessed by God defensive scenario to stop LSU on offense. I'm not even worried about what Oklahoma would do on offense because I just feel like it's a fait accompli. Like it doesn't matter. So God bless you both. Um, it's, uh, this is the game that's going to, I think LSU is just going to kind of run away with it. I think that's not a bold take, but at least we'll have that uh, historic two, three matchup possibly. All right. I asked each of you to pick two games. I did as well. Two non-playoff games. As I scroll through here, I don't see any New Year's Six games. What does that tell you about the current poll system? Um, I'm going to ask you each to sell me very briefly, and we'll decide if we're buying on on just this is just watchability, entertainment, context, narrative, whatever it is that you like about this sport. There are no rules other than that. Richard, the Cheez It Bowl, Air Force and Wazoo. This was your first pick. Um, okay, so this game first of all starts at I believe 10:15. Um, so there's your first watchability thing. You got to watch it. Get it's drank. on late. Um, Get drank. Right. Watch it. Uh, it's just a Styles make fights thing. It's air raid versus option. And Airface is not, Air Force is not as um, pure option-y as Army and Navy are. Like Air Force will throw. And when I say they throw, I mean they may throw eight times instead of three times. Um, but Air Force will throw a little bit. Um, now, I I just 
cannot wait to see Washington State on defense try to like gap sound and all that stuff. An option team in a baseball stadium at 11:35 Eastern time um, on whatever date it is. It's it's. Who's going to control the tempo? Either Washington State gets out to a massive lead and it's 35 to nothing and the game is dead, or Washington State throws four turnovers and this is fun, or or Washington State cannot stop a nosebleed um, and Air Force is just running down their throat. And we have one of the weirdest paced shootouts that any of us can think of. Okay, okay. I'm buying. You like it? Did you pick this game just to remind Godfrey and I how old we are? Like, we're not going to so. watch a game that starts at 10-15? No, it's just oh, a side I'm effect. I'm DVRing that shit for sure. All right, uh, Richard, sell me on your second selection, which would be the first bowl in the slate, the Bahamas Bowl between Charlotte and Buffalo, two seven and 7-5 group of five teams. Yeah, that's the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, I believe it is at like 3 o'clock uh, on a Friday. So see if you can call out early of work. Uh, also, if you download the calendar, put it on your work calendar, and then you'll be in a meeting, quote unquote, at three o'clock on Friday. <laughs> um, watch, watch how Buffalo runs the ball. Buffalo is really fun to watch run the ball, particularly with what they do outside. Um, they do a lot of wide zone, outside zone, which are standard zone runs, but they hit either on the outside of the tackle or the outside of the tight end. Um, they try to get teams going sideways so that they can hit um they do some split zone action all that kind of stuff it's it's fun um charlotte charlotte has an elite edge rusher and a guy who if your nfl team's bad you're probably gonna have to pay attention to an alex highsmith because they may be drafting him um buffalo may do the thing that it's funny with some of these really good edge rushers sometimes the game plan is just to run right at his ass and that's what Buffalo may end up doing. So that'll be kind of fun to see. And also Chris Reynolds, uh, who's Charlotte's quarterback. Chris Reynolds has some of the most absurd arm angles and platforms for throws that I've really seen this season. He he does some really, really fun stuff with that whole offense. And also, they do this thing with uh, – you've all seen the clap cadence where the quarterback claps and the center now mm-hmm. knows to snap the ball. Chris Reynolds does this thing where he acts like he's clapping and he intentionally misses the clap with his hands, and it may or may not kind of fool the defense a little bit. So maybe they do it on Friday, maybe they don't. Who knows? It's just a little something to look for in this game. This game is like the live betting bowl game of the year. We're going to have nice weather. We're going to have 80-plus points in this game. You're going to be able to take each side repeatedly. As they go back and forth, I'm I'm excited about this one. All right, bud, sell us on hashtag nine windiana going against the Volunteers of Tennessee in the Gator Bowl, a game that I am genuinely, sincerely pissed off is not in the Music City because I would actually like to go. I would like to go watch this, but not pay. For yeah, it. and and and, and it, you know these people get to go to lovely Jacksonville, so um, mm, lovely. Look, what makes a good bowl game? So I think both teams wanting to be there is a really important element. And both these teams are genuinely really excited to go to the Gator Bowl this year. I mean, they, they- But that is a really good point. In fact, if we were to go back through the entire list, which we won't, I don't know if you could find two teams that are evenly matched in their genuine enthusiasm to be in a bowl. That's a very good That's point. literally what I did about 20 minutes ago when I was selecting my, my bowl things. Nice. Um, so you, you know you're going to get a crowd. Right. Right. And both yeah. places are happy because they are getting the Florida weather. So, yeah, okay. I like it. But both teams showed improvement throughout the year. Both teams recruit the state of Florida. That's not really a bowl, th- bowl game thing, but it's something I kind of like to look at. And you also kind of, a, from the element of styles make fights, both these teams do run 
different styles of offense and defense. I, I, I'm interested to see how this matches up. I don't think either team will really blow uh, the other one out. Uh, like this is going to be kind of. I'm not saying either teams are great or anything, or that it'll mm-hmm. be super exciting, but it should be close, and they should have good intent. I, I don't think either side you're going to look at and be like, "Man, these guys really don't want to be here." Okay, all right, I like it. Um, that's you know, enthusiasm actually is something that we we didn't touch on at all. We're always looking at styles or what's inter- you know distracting or entertaining, but genuinely historically a bowl game was supposed to be about like a big time enthusiasm for the program and the fan base which just doesn't really happen anymore all right bud um sell me on this second pick it's your it's your lower tier g5 action in the boca with fau and smu because richard turned his homework in on time i was not able to select the bahamas bowl so uh the the second best one here you got weather I think you have two teams that are kind of excited to be here in, in FAU and SMU. You're also going to have a ton of points. Um, what, what do we look for in bowl games if they're not great bowl games? We look for something you can watch when you have some family in town. Maybe you've already kind of done all the little small talk with some of your you know more distant relatives that you want to have. And uh, you can kind of just sit there and, and like numbly watch this game. It, it, it's Saturday the 21st at two thirty or 3.30 Eastern time. Um, I mean, like it, it should be fun. FAU has a lot of explosive rushes. SMU will throw the football all over the field. Uh, some defense could be played. Doubtful. Uh, it's still kind of TPD on that. But this is just a good, fun bowl game to watch. And I, I had a pretty high standard in selecting these New Year's Six bowls. I was like, all right, if I'm going to pick a New Year's Six and go chalk here on PAPN, these better be really good. And I just, none of them really excite me. No, they're shit. And I'm going to make you guys pick one in a minute. Spoiler oh, alert. Um, all right. Uh, so here's my sell. I'm going to interest you in a Big 12 team. Because Bud has been searching all year to understand the cul-de-sac, right? Where you're not rich and you're not poor, but you bought a house in the cul-de-sac in the suburbs, all right? So let me sell you guys on a team. It's a team that beat an SEC program that's bowl-bound, all right? It's a team that beat a playoff participant. It's a team that beat beloved Matt Campbell, all right? It's a team that beat an insurgent Texas Tech team. It's a team that, by and large, didn't really get their ass kicked all year, even though they had a first-year head coach. Okay, who am I talking about? Kansas State. Kansas State. What's amazing to me is that if K-State is this good this early, are we changing the ceiling on Kansas State? And if so, holy shit, what a hire this was. And are they going to be able to bring in more talented players too? Is this just, did we find the best Kansas State person to like Kansas State as a verb? Or... Is this going to be the start of something different? Now, on the other side in the Liberty Bowl, you have you have Navy, and, and I know some people they, they kind of take it or leave it when it comes to service academy football. We were just in Philadelphia. Just just watch Malcolm Perry. That's it, man. That's really my sell on the other side of the ball. I don't give a shit what you think about the triple option. I don't give a shit what you think about service academy football. Malcolm Perry. You have one more chance to watch him play college football, okay? Watch him do that. If you didn't watch Army-Navy, he completely owned and changed and defined the whole game, the entire game. If he doesn't play that game, it's completely different. It's very possible that the one drive that Army put together that was like 80 yards and, I don't know, four hours or whatever in the first quarter when they went up 7 nothing could have been the tone set. Um I hate to say this because I'm the guy who stumps for the academies, but like he looks almost too talented to be on one of those teams, which I, I sound like the president of the United States right now. But he ran for 304 in that game. It was fun to watch him. He was dynamic. Putting that against Kansas State, 
They're fun styles. I'm interested in both. And that's honestly all I'm looking for. Also, this game will be over in like 15 minutes, right? That's a good sell. You're not going to have a four and a half hour football game. Um, Go back and look at how well North Dakota State did against the option when Chris Kleiman was their DC slash HC. A lot of these FCS programs run triple and yeah. they handled them really well. I can tell you from personal experience as a Georgia Southern fan, when Georgia Southern was FCS, especially when they would go to Fargo in the playoffs, they died. They just straight up died. They that was the best that was the best FCS team I'd ever seen against Georgia Southern on just discipline and like knowing your gaps, knowing your man. Like they they just sucked it right up. And that place was so loud and so crazy. So yeah, I'm interested. That's about as PAPN as one single bowl could get. So shocker that I picked that one, y'all. Um, my last one that I'm going to sell to you guys is this. It's purely narrative driven. It's pretty easy to understand. Uh, the Holiday Bowl, USC and Iowa. So many things could happen here, guys. Okay. You could have Nate Stanley beat USC and you could have Iowa in the most Iowa way possible beating their chest about beating this team. Um, sentimentally, by the way, I'm just going to throw this out. Does anyone remember that Orange Bowl where these where the like these guys played each other and like Brad Banks was the quarterback for Iowa. Do you remember that? It was like yes, Carson, Carson Palmer year. Carson yeah, yeah, yeah. Palmer killed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things like I remember from from a, a, a lifetime ago. That was um, like the beginning of like USC USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's USC what I was the best team that year, right? Yes. If it's if it oh three. Oh man, I'm so old. Um. Anyway, um, I like USC in pieces. Here's the thing. Again, to tease back, if you haven't listened to it already, Bud and I talked about USC just doing a ridiculous amount of damage to themselves in recruiting because of the way that they handled their current situation with their current coach, who they just, uh, we'll get around to figuring out if we want him to be our, our coach in 2020. They're lagging in recruiting. The brand is shit. And if they lose this game, I think it could spin them into a seriously long nine months. Okay, In Southern California. It's in San Diego. This is a team that USC, the perception of USC as a brand, even this USC team, Keaton Slovis and those receivers should be able to beat, right? Because you're USC and you're out-talent everybody. But why do I love Iowa so much? Why do I come on this podcast and talk about Iowa? Because when Iowa's working, they make you Iowa. And it is the nastiest, weirdest effect in football where a team that is fundamentally less talented beats you up on defense, slows you down, and makes you do ugly, gritty possession football. And I don't know if USC can do that shit. Is is uh is Epineza playing for Iowa? I do not know. My my interest was the health of Slovis and the receiving core for USC because that's going to be the only matchup I think that really determines USC's worth in this thing. Um do we have I so Bud's actually going somewhere where I kind of wanted to go. Are we okay. seeing more like dudes play in bowl games this year and that is i know that's a little talk radio y of me so i apologize no, but it seems like the bulk of the big guys are actually playing like jerry judy's playing Derek brown is playing um i i i don't i'm pretty sure all the alabama receivers are playing or we would have heard about it at this point on the, it is december 16th on the game previews that i went through to build to like do my my sell my preview Everyone writes about Epineza as if he is playing in this game. Right. I just is think it, that's interesting. I think that's an interesting, not a trend, but it's it's just an interesting uh, bowl subplot this year because we've got a lot of these big guys 
um, right. that are actually playing in these games. Look, I would love for Derek Brown to sit his little tuckus on the sideline and and have a good time, fun in the sun, while the Jaguars wait to draft him in April, but here we are. Uh, last thing I want to say on this, by the way, as dire straits as I just put in USC in terms of my narrative, this was a good football team down the stretch. A lot of us in college football, and I'll just raise my hand and say that I'm one of them, I want as healthy a nation of college football as possible. I want the West Coast to be viable and interesting, and I believe that in order to do that, you have to plant a flag at USC and start there before you go anywhere else in the West, Oregon included, Washington included, whatever, okay? Accordingly, I don't think that Clay Helton is the answer long-term for USC being a true power. Again, go back and listen to the recruiting show, but and I touched on this. So I was down on them keeping him. When I went back and looked at box scores and write-ups and that kind of stuff, this was a team that did everything it could to keep Clay Helton, except for Oregon being better than them at home. And that's when everyone wrote the, you got to fucking fire him now column. Other than that, okay, from mid-October on, they did as much as they could with what they had. So, I mean, the only exception, by the way, is that Colorado game I watched where, like, kind of Colorado kind of ran up and down the field with them. But they won the game. They won the game on the road on a weeknight. Give them credit. Truly cannot believe I'm about to say this. But does Clay Helton deserve a pretty good amount of credit for two pretty sizable turnaround jobs he's done? The Sam Darnold year, where they started one in three, he puts right. Darnold in a starting quarterback, and then they rip off eight or nine straight, and then we have this year also, where they were a heartbeat away from um, from being in the Pac-12 championship game, for being 60 minutes away from a Rose Bowl. Clay Helton, one, okay, turnaround one, artist, look at that. One of, the, one of my favorite things to do with Connolly used to be take the initial reaction from the entire zeitgeist of the sport, media, everybody, and then look at it like three months later and see how different it is. So here's a great example of that, okay? The crisis that started this year for 2019 USC was a overtime home loss against BYU where they just weren't right. And BYU was like otherworldly and on fire, okay? They lost to a Washington team that on the road that was better than them. On balance, And then they... Yes. So that's two losses. And at this point, if you remember, that was two losses going into a bye week. We started October. He was going to get fired, right? This was it. Although also you lost your starting, excuse me, you lost your starting quarterback within the first month. So this is it. The the the, the regime is over. That's not reporting. Then, Those are therapy words. <laughs> and then therapy words. And then does anybody remember that Notre Dame game? Like, they play better in that Notre Dame game than maybe they play all year. But it, it's like the bloom was off the rose. They'd already lost twice in their quarterback. And all of a sudden, it was just like you couldn't you couldn't do anything about it. And then after that, they they go 5-1 and one down the stretch. So, yeah, I believe USC needs a blood transfusion. And I believe that they need to reassert themselves. And they, they need to bring the entire West Coast back into the conversation nationally and all of that shit. I do. But they played pretty good football this year. Gentlemen, if you had to be, if you had to watch, if you had to be, write about, attend every function of a New Year's Six bowl game that was not a, a playoff semi, which would it be? Uh, I'm not even saying this because I went to Florida. It'd be the Orange Bowl because it's in Miami and I live in New York. That's a cop out, bud. Uh, where are these being played? Dallas. No, <laughs> Every so everybody's doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, Cali. I I I I'll, I'll go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, Rose Bowl yeah. is beautiful. None of these matchups are any good. So I'm going to the intangibles. Um, I can 
certain stuff's legal out in Cali, which is cool. <laughs> and uh, I, I need to hit my frequent flyer miles. Um, and if you show up, if you show up to the game, you know, butt on bud, nobody would really care because it's, it's just that laid back. But Doug, I want to party like with it. I want to party with Memphis fans in Dallas. We get into some uh, uh, slippery slope. Um, I'm also going to pick the Rose Bowl. If anything, you get a quintessential Rose Bowl experience, and I think a, a pretty good football game at that. I think the the two teams match up well against each other. It'll be interesting. It'll be close too. So you know, can't complain with that. Watch the sunset in Pasadena. Um, I have no interest in those other three matchups and. By the way, if any of you, if either of you would have said the sugar, that would have been your last BAPN. So you passed. I know better. Love y'all. All right. We will see you guys you, you next week for a back-to-back spell of hashtag AskBAPN. No, you can't go to New Orleans, bud, if it's Baylor and Georgia. Are we all in agreement? I No, I do not want to go to this. I actually have a buddy who has been, his family has been to every, and I mean every, Georgia bowl game since Herschel days. Um, and even they are considering not going to this bad boy. Baylor in Georgia, just say no.